Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of East Meets West here on the Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat podcasting feed. I am one of your hosts, Scott McLeod. I'll say I'm the six of this equation, joined by the nine. That is Grant McRobbie. Welcome, Grant. It's a pleasure to be back. You know, we've had an absolute million things to watch in the last month, as is New Japan tradition. Tradition, indeed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we don't need to open these shows by saying that we are the best of anything. We're just happy being the niche show that covers the niche area of professional wrestling and a lot of it this last month or so and a lot to preview coming up uh, next month because March is usually a busy time. That's New Japan Cup month, so there'll be a lot to talk about right there. So let's just delve into everything that we've got to talk about. Usually around this time of year, post-Wrestle Kingdom, we've got the New Beginning tours. We had the New Beginning USA over in America with New Japan Strong. And that's still ongoing, I think, so just a bit of wrap-up uh, over there in the US. But no, they decided to change it up. I think it's also because it's the, uh, the 50th anniversary. They're trying something different. Also, 50 years is usually the golden anniversary. So we've had the New Year Golden Series, which has ran for just about a month through late January into mid to late February. And you and I were talking, Grant, we even, like, we kind of missed out certain shows depending on what was happening because uh, they spread out some major tail matches towards the end of the tour. So a case of, like, the dry makes the viewing experience a bit easier. It's a case of, like, just wait, wait, hold off till uh, they upload the ones with the major tail matches on them. Yeah, that's it. Like, they, they really, like, you're right, we normally have New Beginning, which is a nice little compact few road to new beginning shows usually two new beginning shows themselves nice easy to follow and then this time they went hey golden series know what you want you want some more wrestling well guess what have all the wrestling in the world (laughs) (laughs) just exactly like homer and the simpsons in hell (laughs) i was gonna say gail just straps you to a chair you know forces your eyes open and just Puts a loop of fucking House of Torture bullshit matches over and over again. More about those bastards later on. <laughs> but the first like, major uh, event, uh, I think, in terms of importance for me, came on the 11th of February in the New Year's Golden Series because uh, that show was main evented by the Junior Heavyweight Championship. The Junior Heavyweight title took focus there, where we had El Desperado taking on Master Watto uh, for the title after what I learned, the title shot, making Desperate tap out in the pre-show of Night 2 of Wrestle Kingdom. Still an odd circumstance, I think, you know, having that big win over Rome in the 24 hours later, tapping out on the pre-show to set up his next challenger, still a, a baffling booking decision to me. 
Yeah, it was it was like the like the circumstances that made this match happen just seemed the most random. Like that that clean win over Desperado night two on a pre-show match, if I remember correctly, was the most random thing. But give them credit, this match was a fucking banger. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I definitely was was looking forward to the actual match itself and. You had Desperado get like tapped out by Watt on that pre-show match because they're trying to set a new move and what was Arsenal or something they can you know combat uh, numero dos on on Desperado's and that's his main submission move. So it was very much a lot more even than maybe you would have expected to be like if this match even happened say a couple of months ago. It felt like Watt was kind of been set up to be more of a singles guy because Sukuchi had seemingly to my side on his pursuits of the doing your heavyweight title in favour of Rocky Romero, but that didn't quite work out for him, and we'd kind of improve, we'd be and we'd be proven wrong about that thought later on in this tour. But it was it was actually fairly like back and forth this match. Also, Desperado came out with the, the still the champion, which I think is the right decision. But I do like the idea of adding this new wrinkle to what was like move set with the submission move because. The main criticism about him and this whole way to the Grandmaster thing is that you can't really define exactly what his style actually is. He just does a lot of everything and he really isn't a master of anything. So you think he's trying to like, put down what his actual wrestling style is? Yeah, this this felt like this match. I, I was like, I'm getting a, a kind of clear image of what Watto's sort of idea is going forward. You're right, before now it's it's, he's been a jackass of all trades. Um, <laughs> I have to I have to mention that because of his tag team partner. But this match was it, like he really he really went for it. He, he held his his own against and like, to me, El Desperado has been a refreshing champion for the junior division after what has been a very rocky couple of years for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, and like. We talked about it going into Breskin and that as much as we, we love Hiromu and you know, Hiromu was probably with a lot of the New Japan faithful. Uh, it was definitely the right decision for you know Desperado to keep running with it as the new like face of the junior division for now. Uh, I was surprised, I don't know about you, but I was actually surprised that they didn't try and set anything up afterwards. Like Usually it would be a case of you no, know, he does the post-match, he gets to do like the, the leaving like, promo at the end as you know, the winners of the main event usually do. But I was surprised they didn't do the typical somebody comes out and interrupts them and uh, sets up a challenge or anything like that. I don't know if you were surprised by that. I I, I was curious because I thought there's enough time to squeeze in another defence because of the sheer amount of shows they had coming up. I was like, they could easily probably throw someone else under the bus to get another defence in time before the, the anniversary kind of build up. Um, and yeah, that, so it did kind of surprise me, but We'll, we'll, we'll probably talk about that later on, the couple of things that have came out in the back of that. Um, I did like the fact, though, that he kind of hinted at different defences and one of them being Kanemaru. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something I was going to say. Maybe they wouldn't have fit in another match on this tour, but maybe they want to set something up for, you know, post the New Japan Cup. And they said that Kanemaru was somebody that Desperado was interested in, in facing, so... I thought it would be interesting if maybe Kanemaru kept at the mic off him during his promo and said, like, I want the next shot. Uh, the two of them would kind of go back to the tag team scene during the tour. They both make another attempt at the tag team titles, which I'm glad they didn't win because 
you know, we'd have yet another double champion, and the allure of that has really diminished over the last year. And plus, with the these two winning most of their junior heavyweight titles within this last year or so, you know, the feeling the Edge and Christian of the, uh, the junior tag scene, because Edge and Christian, yeah, they're 17 tag champs. They won all seven belts within a 12-month span. Yeah, it's it's absolutely unreal, and you, you've actually got the the like the right comparison, a very good comparison, I'd say, right on the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it was a big moment when he was like junior heavyweight champ, anti champ before, but then they've tried to do that with Robbie Eagles and other people holding both belts, and you know, a lot of the dimension returns when it comes to that. You know, it's just it doesn't feel the same. But it was a hell of a match today, and that show. Uh, to mention the two like top matches that they're about to for the 19th and 20th world, like Sonata challenging Tanashi for the junior for the US Championship and the Heavyweight Championship match, which was Okada defending against Naito, and we kind of got a preview of both of those matches with uh, the match on the 13th and a main event tag match of uh, main event tag match of Naito and Sonata versus the Dream Team. And it was interesting because, like, you think about how strong all these guys probably need to be kept going into the main event uh, matches. They, they present an interesting conundrum, like, who takes the fall here? There's no obvious, there's no Bushy in here uh, to take the fall here. Uh, and it ended up being that Naito ended up pinning uh, Tanahashi clean with the, the death, you know, which was surprising to me. Yes, yeah, it was a really like a di- it's a difficult booking position to put yourself in a point where you've got two number one contenders and two champions on either side. And I mean, I've had the joy of seeing Okada and Tanahashi tag team together against ZSJ and Suzuki a few years back down in London. And as a team, they are incredible. The fact that they've still not really done them as a team for World Tag League to me is a crime. I've mentioned before, like it's a case of if you had put those two in World Tag League, the basic you know. <laughs> The idea is that either they obviously win and go through everybody, or you need to think of some creative booking as to show why they don't win. Because, like, Tanahashi's mixed up in the tag title scene, but Tanahashi, but Okada's never really been a tag team guy. So you have to book him strong in that kind of scene. Otherwise, it seems like a demotion. So it's a case of, like, how do you believably put these guys in and not have them win? That's it. The, the, the only way you can do it is by going down the kind of the old route of egos getting in the way, but you can't really do that when it's two faces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talking about egos, did we did we talk about it in the last episode about what came out about the great meta being of a political prick during his tag match uh, against the Dream Team on night three, or did we talk about it in the last episode? Because it feels like so long ago. I don't know. I can't remember if we did. I, th- I don't think that had actually came up at the time, or maybe it did or what, but yeah, you know, Muta being the big drama queen that he is, being a big massive bitch. <laughs> I know, famously back in the, the mid early 90s, he did like a cross-promotional match against Hogan, and yet was acting very Hogan-esque, trying to look strong in a match he didn't even win. I know, absolutely unreal how, da- how daft that was. Like, I'm just like, the fuck have I, what the fuck have I just read? <laughs> he's, like, he's that relative or that pal in the group that basically raises a fuss and those who know him like better or like don't argue with him like it's best to not argue when he's like this. Is that that is exactly it's like it's like oh but he always gets his way. Well just let him be an arsehole and give him his way because otherwise we're never gonna hear the fucking end of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh but back to the tag match uh it had been very interesting because it seemed like actually LIG 
for the most part, got the best of like whatever combination they got put against during this tour, where it seemed to be like Okada, Tanahashi, and a revolving door of uh, like legends, like I've got the Dream Team teaming with Kojima or the Dream Team teaming with Nagata, and it seemed like every <laughs> like night these guys got the win, which kind of and then given how one half of these two matches went in LIG's way, I think it was then trying to set that maybe. On the final night, LIG could walk out with the big title. Uh, basically, given the fact that Okada didn't break up the pin because he got put out, he got hit with this, you know, and then rolled out to the outside of the ring. And in the commentator said, even after the final few count, he didn't move. So they put over Naito's finisher. And like Naito got up, or Okada got up, but only with Naito's help. So basically, that whole thing of, oh, if he does that, when the title's on the line, we could have a new champion. Yeah, clever, clever thing, like sort of like bigging up the finisher and the potential risks and dangers, especially for the fact that those two had, but at that point were tied five apiece in singles matches. So it was a pretty big deal. Yeah. yeah. It was interesting. I didn't even realize, I knew they'd faced like, a lot in like title matches, but I didn't realize the record was as even as it was. So I added a new wrinkle when we got to the, the title match inevitably. You know, this has been far too positive so far, even with the meta. Brief meta bashing we just did a second ago. Let's talk about the House of Torture, shall we? Oh, God, I suppose we've got to. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, I perfectly put in the notes that the one, one of the matches that I really didn't want them to win, they thankfully didn't win, which was the tag team title match where it was Ujiro and Evil taking on uh, Yoshihashi and go over the tag titles. That went down on the 19th. But, you know, in contrast to that, they seem to win literally every other main match that they could possibly be involved in. Like, I think it was on the 11th show, beat Yo through nefarious means. They had them retain the six-man tag titles. Evil retained the, the never title over Ishii. So, and basically the fact that the never uh, six-man title defense came after the tag team title loss. So, it's, like, it's not a case of, oh, they've been winning, but then finally got put in a place right at the end. Like, no. They lost on one night, the following night they pick up a win against so you was like it really was anything really accomplished against the House of Torture in the end. That this was the equivalent of those videos you see on like YouTube and that where like a family saves a small rabbit and they let the small <laughs> rabbit out going, Yeah, go free rabbit and then a fucking eagle swoops down and eats the rabbit. <laughs> that is what this was the equivalent of. I just watched my my dreams get ripped to shreds by an eagle, or in this case, Gado and his fucking booking of the House of Torture. Because mm-hmm. now, like, I don't get the whole thing with the whole point, like that singles match back at the Tokyo Dome was all about. Because surely, like, much like how Sonata got the win over Evil and they kind of left the, those two alone for a while, like they both went their own separate ways. But Yo gets like the even two one over Show, but now Show's tied up, so now we have to have another rubber match, and which probably means more House of Torture interference and like. Like it's like they want to keep Yo strong as a singles guy because they don't want him to seem entirely like the Marty. But the fact that Show's been put into a faction that's winning a lot seems like he's the one that New Japan's put more of a priority on. Yeah, this this whole Yo and Show thing has just gone way too far. This is just getting ridiculous now. Just separate them for a few months. Wait, wait, wait a good while. Give it to the summer. Let it fizzle down a little bit. Keep them at a distance before we. I swear to God, Gado, I swear to God, I will get in the first flight that I can over there. I will send you to Jesus. <laughs> you know, because I think they were teasing on commentary that potentially 
you know they're hopeful that the new that the best juniors could be moved like back up to earlier in the year and not be like an end of the year thing which it has been the last couple of years so maybe they're hoping for another meeting in the best of super juniors between those two is like the tiebreaker but you know I'm hoping, like I said, it doesn't end up being a case of like diminishing returns between these two because, like the breakup of Rapongi 3K and the subsequent feuds that comes with it should be a, a big deal, and I also think they should leave this this alone for now and wait until at least one of them has the junior heavyweight title. Exactly, like I I miss like the way like I I I will still always say the best pacing I've ever seen for a singles feud will always to me be between Okada and Omega. That was a perfect example of how to make a feud feel big, and they still spread that out over like four matches over the best part of two years, and it mm-hmm. worked. Do do that. You've got plenty of other options for them to batter each other in. Just give it time. Breathe. <laughs> Breathe <laughs> with the switchblade. <laughs> but you know, oh, I talk about the evil match uh, against Ishii. Uh, they had it as a lumberjack match, so we. They had the House of Torture and they had the other members of Chaos like Yoshashi, Goto and Yo out there. Because basically it was a case of, we're going to get involved anyway, so might as well have a match that means that they're all going to be out there. Uh, I also do like the fact that the referees are starting to get tired of the House of Torture shenanigans and they're starting to bite back a little bit, which is nice. <laughs> but they're starting to improve that basically Evil, if he wanted to, could probably win these matches on his own. It's just a fact that he's so much a dick he chooses not to because... The last five minutes of the match with Ishii is just just those two. And like you can't like the brain buster type hits everything is evil, you know, it wins clean as a whistle in the middle of the ring. And it was actually even the commentators, Kevin Kelly and like Chris Charlton, even though they've been shitting on the House of Torture rightfully so at every opportunity, they were given evil praise for winning on his own. And so like it's a case of like that's what makes the whole interference so frustrating all this dick toggle pish uh, and also this is pretty much like night and day compared to how how bad their imagine their Tokyo Dome was because like I've heard people talk about it and they say that they found that match at Redskin like near unwatchable yeah the, like, the, the lumberjack match it was a stipulation I was like right how's this going to go and it's actually a lumberjack match that worked well the stipulation worked in their favour, but giving them that last five minutes clean just the two of them. Yep, got all the shenanigans out of the way by having lumberjacks of both sides just being absolute top-level shithousery. But then giving it the giving it the clean finish, rather than doing it the other way around, where it's all kind of between them, then turns into shithousery. It worked. It was a much different match from the Wrestle Kingdom match. Thank the fucking Lord for that. <laughs> I know that way. It couldn't have possibly gotten any worse, you'd hope, because that magic wrestling was bad. It was very bad. Like, and we got the match uh, on the 19th, the tag titles, and they said that if Evil won, he'd be in a unique, he'd set a unique record where he told a singles, trios, and tag title all at the same time, which would be a new accomplishment. It just deserves to be on a better wrestler than Evil. I, that, see the thought of him actually doing that. I was like, "Don't, don't you, don't fucking do it, don't you dare, don't you dare!" I was absolutely breaking it the whole time. You know, I mean, Jay White, he deserved to have that quadruple crown thing that they were going on about. But please, don't give Eve all this. Like people forget, he was technically already a triple champ because he was one one third of the never six man chance with the other guys in LIG when he won the double gold, and then gave that list as little of a shit about he went, "Ah, oh, fuck, I don't want this anymore." 
<laughs> and then as soon as the title belts get raised in elevation, he's like, he's trying to go at it and takes him fucking three attempts to get them back. It's like, one, twice, three times a lady. <laughs> <laughs> fucking three times a ball bag, more like it. Jesus. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> What's interesting is that Yoshihashi and Goto finally have a tag team name. Uh, I think it's called... I've forgotten what it is, but it's meant to be to do with uh, like samurai and stuff like that. I'm trying to remember it as well now, and it's really going to do my nothing that I can't remember what it is, but it does have a, a proper name. I was like, oh, fucking hell, they've actually got a real name now. Yeah. And, it's, and, and it's completely went out of my head. <laughs> uh, I, th- I, th- I had an idea of how it was pronounced, but I thought, no, if I butchered it, then you know, there's me getting cancelled, and that's the show we're done before we've reached the 69th episode. <laughs> <laughs> People like, nope, you can't say that. Clear not. Uh, so, we both also, I've mentioned before, I don't get the whole thing with the stick that Yoshi has, but then Goto had a stick with him when he came out, and then he ended up using it to take the pin stick away from Yujiro and disarm him. So, and he even broke the top end of his own stick to Goto when he was using it. So, already just in one match, Goto's brought a random stick out but made more of a use of it. Then Yoshiashi has in what five years of bringing out that random staff with him that he never uses. The, the, like, exactly, the, the, the staff has been there forever. Why not use it? For the love of all that's holy, you've had all the time in the world to use it. Just bloody use it. <laughs> right, it's Bishamon. It's Bishamon is the name. Yes. There we go. There we go. See, I had a. I knew, I knew the game would be, but I didn't want to. Fuck up the pronunciation, but yeah, they've got a proper name now. Uh, hopefully, they, they just keep these two groups away from each other, like let the house to torture go after and ruin some other people's lives, and you know keep them away from the tag team titles. Because I'm interested to see who you know Goto and Yoshashi defend those titles against now, because you know, GOD have been doing some stuff in America recently. Uh, Dangerous Tigers haven't even teamed together since since they lost at Wrestle Kingdom, so I'm wondering who actually they're gonna be put up against in the uh, the heavyweight division. I know, especially uh, as some things are up in the air at the moment in America, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about later, but it does leave the tag division in a very, very strange paradigm at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah it definitely does. So, you know, at least the heads of Georgia didn't take the tag titles as well, drag that into it, but they still do have two titles. They have the never open weight belt and they have the six man belt. So, Interesting to see who wants to try and try their luck against Evil and the other House of Torture, Bob Eggs, to, to take it off them. <laughs> so, so we move on to the next part of the tour. Uh, I thought about time, I mean, the Great Empire have uh, some decent members they could challenge for them, but I think, am I right saying that recently Jeff Cobb had been dealing with an injury, so Great Old kind of been doing some, some stuff on his own and just randomly coming out during. Uh, during these shows and beating up a legend, he beat, he beat Kojima very quickly, he beat Makabe, uh, Onma, he was meant to fight Tenzin, but I think Tenzin dealing with injuries, so then he beat Kojima again, you know, just about to the poor man's arm off. But yeah, he still tried to use the Lariat to win the match, which was ultimately his undoing. But uh, it really feels like they're trying to go all in on Okan. You know, the viciousness that he's showing I was impressed with, and this is the version of Kyo Okan I would have been behind, but. You know me in the past, I've had some unflattering things to say about the Great Okan, but 
think the, the purpose of this is to really hype him up as a, an outside bet maybe for the New Japan Cup. Yeah, I think they've done a really good idea by putting them against these veterans, um, guys that can go at kind of the right pace for him. Because yeah, he's he's I've 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 not disliked him. I've always felt he's been a kind of really half and half for me. Sometimes I really enjoy his matches, or they were absolutely honking. There was no there was no middle ground. It was either a nice golden goose or it was a honking jobby of a match. <laughs> so. But these ones with these legends, they worked really well. He's got good chemistry with them, and these old guys like the legends, they can still go for it when they really need to. And yeah, Okan has came out of this looking a million bucks. It's really helped a lot because we've we've not got any Osprey there at the moment. Uh, yeah, Cobb does is dealing with an injury. I don't know how long he's going to be out for, but apparently it's quite a bad one with his knee. Um, mm. Hanari is where is Hanari? I don't know. He just tends to wander off. Someone needs to need to hire somebody to be like his designated watcher and hold his hand whenever. He tends to stray, you know. Well, he's like bell on him like a cat. <laughs> oh no! Oh, he's wandered off now. He's outside now. No, come back in, Hanari. You've got a tag, man. Come on. Because <laughs> I think Cobb is like listed for the New Japan Cup. I don't know if Hanari is and. If Anari isn't listed for the New Japan Cup, I'd be shocked because given the size of the field, if he can't make it into a group that size, then I do not know what the fuck's going on. Yes, and we will talk much about the size of that fucking field later on because I have some issues there. <laughs> but, you know, in the past we've complained in these tours that obviously they pack a lot of the undercard with just tag matches. But on this New Year's Gold series, they just kept randomly inserting tag matches out of nowhere like these old can ones and then they threw in a couple of junior ones where they had a Phantasmo versus Tiger Mask, which ended up kind of a DQ, and then immediately went into a very Western you know, sale, went right into the next match, which was Ishimori versus Eagles, which was a, a decent match, which helped build onto the onto the, the four-way tie match because it was meant to just be on the 19th, Ishimori and AOP versus the Flying Tigers for the tie titles, but then out came the Ass Masters, and then Zagoon came out and basically said, no, we should all be the champions. Like, uh, well, these guys got eliminated at risk, and we should, it should be us too. And then Desperado going, I but what was on this team? I beat him the other night, so we should be ahead of them. So then it got turned into a four-way. So it's very interesting stuff, you know. Like, this is the kind of stuff that the uh, the junior division, like the tag division that is needed because, you know, it's had some Western influences recently, you know, with the right impromptu, like, start of the next match or incorporating a four-way which they don't do often yeah like that's something that going for a four-way was totally completely like not expected so i, I can't even remember like they've they done the four-way at wrestle kingdom for the juniors but that was a singles match but i can't remember the last time they actually done a four-way on the tag side but uh, it was sure fucking pandemonium it. i'm sure like, i can remember a four-way vaguely it may have been a three-way i don't know but there was one in like 2016 at Risk Game 10 with the Bucks. Uh, I think it may have been, this is how long ago it was, it was Matt Seidel and Rikishi, I think, were one team. And you had Red Dragon as another. I think there may have been a fourth team, I'm going to assume it was Rapongi Vice. But you see, that was Risk of Kingdom 6. That was like 10, that was fucking 2016. That's how far and few between they do these multi person, like junior tag matches. Uh, and what's also interesting element into it is that this felt like some of the teams had some dissension going into it because. 
you know, Taguchi didn't really care who it was that was team with him. He just wanted that number 69. And it seemed like Ishimori was getting annoyed at ELP because uh, without that thing in his boot, he just he couldn't bring himself to do the super kick anymore. I know, that was like the ELP's going through a little bit of um, super kick dysfunction. <laughs> someone, someone really should take him aside and say, you know, these performance issues, you know, it's, it's not uncommon. You know, most wrestlers your age, you know, get that. It happens to the best of us. <laughs> <laughs> then whoever say, saying it to him, obviously not me, no, that'd be, that'd be weird, but it's definitely not weird for you. Exactly. It was, uh, I doubt, like, the four-way was just, it's actually one of my favourite matches off the tour, not only because of the result, but the actual match itself was just banging fun. That's just, it's what the juniors are all about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really didn't, I didn't really know how he calls, because, like I said, I'd hope it wasn't Suzuki Goon, because all holding the singles and junior tag belt at the same time, but really, the, the appeal's gone for me. Uh You'd think that this is now the obvious point to do the 69, but then again, the obvious point probably would have been Wrestle Kingdom, and they didn't do it then. But and again, like the mega coaches aren't are nothing on the ass masters, so it had to be the ass masters that that won it. And like you said, they made the distinction that uh, Wato was the six, and uh, Ishimoto uh, and Dikuchi is the nine. And just on this on this night, and then the following night when they had that random non-title match against. Ganamaru uh, and Desperado, they were just pulling out as many 69 jokes as they possibly could. And my god, it was fucking glorious. Don't <laughs> 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 be like, you, you really want to get, you really want to make it clear who's the 6, who's the 9, you want to get your 69s in order. Uh, it's just, it's just wee, wee moments like this that make them one of my favourite commentary teams going today, Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton. I think it would make it better if, uh, no, Gino was there as well, but that's by the by. <laughs> and possibly my favourite call of 2022 so far is when uh, ELP is on the top rope. He wants to do a dive to outside, and Robbie Eagles dives up to the top, hits a hurricane run to him and to everybody else. And Chris Charlton, from the top of his voice, just shouts, Christ on a bike, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> that was absolutely beautiful. I was like, wait, did he just say what I think he said? I had to rewatch <laughs> that again later on. I was like, he did say Christ on a bike. <laughs> I'm all for this. <laughs> oh, oh, what, what a moment! What a moment that was. But in the end, a unique move, kind of a version of the glam slam slash pay dirt kind of move on a tiger mask by the by the S Masters, and they've done it. We've been waiting for it, and it's finally happened. I don't know how else to really express though the joy that this may bring. I'm sure Grant has a few ways of expressing it, but they've done it. The ass boys, the, the ass masters, have all grown up. The ass masters have done it. And know what? I want the forbidden door to open up, and I want to see the ass masters against the ass boys now to, <laughs> to determine pure ass supremacy. Yeah, I shouldn't get those confused. You know, EW has its ass boys. These aren't ass boys. These are ass men. These are ass masters. These two. You know, we were here doing this show when Master Rotten made his debut. Yeah, he stumbled a little bit. Then he formed this team with Taguchi. And we we weren't we weren't the ones that, t- that initially named them the Ass Masters, but we're the ones that have carried it on. We've carried it forward. We've made it our own. And now we feel like proud parents. Now they've gone from boys to men to men who are the 69th IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions. 
and I could not be prouder. It's just it's beautiful. That means Taguchi completes a double act of 69s <laughs> with both singles and junior ta- tag belts. So uh, I am a happy man. I'm a very, very happy man on the back of that. You know, <laughs> everything else was going to shit with the house of torture. They gave me life. They gave me light. <laughs> they gave me ass masters. <laughs> yeah, this bright spot in the in the midst of all the darkness is what we really need. And I don't mean David Campbell when I talk about darkness. <laughs> <laughs> Something that really shouldn't get lost in all this is about this is Master World's first piece of championship gold and New Japan since his excursion. And like I said, he had some rough patches when he came back. It felt like they didn't really know at points what they were doing with him. But I think this tour is where we really saw the coming out party for Master War with that match with Desperado. And then getting back together with Taguchi to win the tag titles, basically proved him. You should have had me as your partner all along, not Rocky Romero. And then they had that match against uh, Kanemaru and Desperado, which they won, pinning Kanemaru on the next night. So, you know, quite interesting to see where these two go. It feels like they're back on the same page and uh, firing all cylinders again. Yeah, I mean, like if you if you look at that, that's Wato and Okan that we've talked about, and they've both really this tour has been a big bounce back for two for two people already that we've talked about with more that we've still got to talk about. It feels like this Golden Series, while being a bit overly long, has been a rejuvenation for some wrestlers. You know, it's kind of the thing that a lot of people who will defend WWE will say, like the idea of trust in the process when you question the trajectory and the booking long term of somebody. But you know, companies like New Japan, I think, get more of a, you know, more more chances. Like, okay, you didn't book him to win this match, but I'll give you another chance. And then you get to modes like this, like their process, I think people would trust a bit more, even with the, the sketchy decisions they maybe made the last couple of years. They still showing like moments like this that they can, you know, organically build people up. That's it. There it's it's one of those things where it would have been I would have loved to have seen this happen sooner, but at the same time, it's it's not the end of the world, you know, just because someone doesn't get booked right the first time, it's not impossible to rebuild things and bring them back. And this tour is a to me a testament to that. People that have been kind of, in my opinion, passed up on have now had a way to get back to the top. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if they'll maybe choose to revisit some potential dissension between these two, like maybe after they lose the tag titles, and maybe if they choose to put the junior heavy title on, what will they maybe have them go through Taguchi to get there and use Taguchi as kind of that, that springboard to help elevate Wattle? That's it. It's a, it's a beautiful thing that I think would I, I would like to see that. I wouldn't complain at them doing that down the line, give them a good run with the, ta- the junior tag belts. And eventually have things break off in a way as to who would be the heel. I wouldn't mind seeing Taguchi actually be the heel for it. I think that could actually be an interesting choice for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we've seen a bit of uh, frustration. Like, he's seen the way he was given out to Rocky Romero for being the one A cost on the match at Wrestle Kingdom and the frustration now over his face. You know, because he's obsessed with the 69, you know, as Kevin Kelly and that's, you know, he's a fan of numerology, you know, he's just. He's just a big fan of that particular number. You know, there's no other explanation for it. Uh, and maybe even if they say lose the belt on like their first defense, and Taguchi is annoyed that their 16 ring couldn't you know, go longer, that could be the kind of the turning point for these two. That's it. This is definitely a a, a big turning point. You know, it's 
it's something that we will we will be monitoring this very closely. It's just mm-hmm. a shame the New Japan Cup will probably hamper anything big happening for a little while. Yeah. Then again, with the New Japan Cup, you've got your got the opportunity to set up multiple like news stories following this. So you know, it's not a total loss in that sense. But on the 19th, we had obviously the Earth Masters, you know, have, having their coming out party. We had the House of Torture being denied the heavyweight tie titles. And then the ultimate crescendo of this night, how could he get any better? Your boy, Grant Sanada, he finally did it. And what I think was actually my favourite match of the whole tour, Sanada, and I think it was around 30, 35 minutes, I think they inevitably went against Tanahashi for the US Championship. And finally, Sanada became a singles champion. We've been talking about it probably since the start of this of this podcast, about when this moment was going to come. And finally, all these months later, it's finally happened. He's the final member of LIG to help to hold singles gold. It's happened. Finally. Thank fuck. It's taken so <laughs> long. Every time I thought they were going to do something with him, he would always go, it's like, oh, oh, oh no, wait, he's against Okada. Fuck. Oh, he's against this person. Oh, he's against that person. And I was like, oh, God, he's against Tanahashi. I was like, oh, please let, please let them actually listen to sense. Please, Gado. Please, I've got my emails. I've been writing all these times. I've been writing to him like Stan. Like, you know, <laughs> I've, I've even left my, my cell phone number at the bottom, Gero. Put a fucking belt in Snada. He's finally done it. And yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was a beautiful... I love every time these two go in in a one-on-one match. It's, it's just beautiful. They've got such a great match of styles and chemistry. And to me, Sanada could, in the long term, be someone that kind of takes over the mantle from Tanahashi and that kind of style of wrestling that he does. Yeah, because like, I think people you know, look at the series of matches between Okada and Sanada and they've been like excellent, but it's often been a position where yeah, Sanada will get a win bell being like a G1 kind of thing, but it will set up an every match that he often doesn't get the chance to win, especially with like the title on the line. But like these matches with uh, Tanahashi, like I think these people forget how evenly matched these two are because they can go like technical, but also they're great at having those quick bursts and that quick flurry. And then like the amount of counters in this match and how back and forth the last ten or so minutes were like the sling blade counter or moving out the way of the the high fly floor, the the moonsault, it just kept you going. It kept you thinking like surely this would be the moment where Tanada gets his moment because. But then again, you're thinking, Tanashi's had a quite a few title wins end after only one or two defences, so surely they'll, they'll give them, a, they'll, they want, they'll want to give them another long win because, you know, they still see him as the ace. So there's always that possibility that Sanada could, you know, come out short yet again. But, you know, Tanahashi's one of those veterans who doesn't mind laying down for somebody who really needs that win. Yeah, and I think, like, this is a good move. Put the belt on someone new let it go in a new direction because Tanahashi's been involved with that US belt for a little bit too long now and I'd say it's a good time for I want Tanahashi to go looking elsewhere and maybe go back looking at the open weight belt or even trying to get himself back into the main event scene um, for a little bit even though he'll probably lose to Okada as for Sanada the potential options give, give me Shingo give me Naito like give, give me some inter-LIJ like, I, I would love the idea of like Naito and Shingo looking at him with with that US belt and being like, I wouldn't mind holding that. 
And how the, like Kevin Kelly was mentioning, there are fair, fair few like former champions that want another show. Like Kenta will probably want another show. Lance Archer and John Moxley have been uh, talking about more opportunities for that belt. So we send that a US tour. I wouldn't mind seeing because uh, he's not he's no stranger to the US. No, he was in TNA back in the day. So I wouldn't mind seeing yeah the USA tour for him. Yeah, maybe bring that show, bring that title over to New Japan Strong. Have the US title be defended more often on on US soil and maybe come into contact with Jay White along the way. But I want to talk about this match because. Like, I'm surprised they didn't set up this match sooner because they had these two fought in the new in the G1, and I thought that Tanashi would lose there and that would set up a match. But no, he, he beat Tana, he beat Sonata there, and then did the thing with Kenta, and then got the belt back. And it feels like this belt is kind of taking the place of the the Intercontinental. I know you've also got the Never Belt, which has had a bit of prestige, but currently it's in the uh, the pit with the House of Torture. So for now, I'd rather not have people like Sonata go anywhere near that belt for, for a little while until someone can claw it away from from evil. But, you know, this match went, I'd say, like maybe half an hour or so, but it never felt like it dragged at any point. Yeah, the final moments as well, it, it wasn't a case like Sonata making like those mistakes of like trying to take an age set for the moonsault, but yeah, Tana actually going for the high fly flow, he moves it away, I asked him that he would go up for the moonsault, but no, he just rolled him over, does the roll through pin, and then you got on there, and you could even see in the, the background Kim and Kelly Kershaw getting out their seats. They really couldn't believe it. I know it's just uh, it was it was inve- it was investing. They really told a story, and everyone bought into it. So this is a, this is a great opportunity. It's a passing of the torch moment. We have a new champion, someone who has not held a singles belt, and you know, first time holding a singles belt. It's not that Snada's never carried gold; he's done it in tag, but to do it himself. This will be a big test for him going forward, and I'm looking forward to see how he answers that test. Because mm-hmm. you got to think maybe there'll be another match between him and Tanashi, but I'm interested to see if they set up a new challenger through the New Japan Cup, because all the champions are going to be involved in that this year, which is uh, fairly interesting. Uh, like you said, he's not as if he's not as if he's not like accomplished or anything like that. Like he's had multiple uh, tie title reigns, won the New Japan won the World Tag League, been a finalist in the G1 and the New Japan Cup. But he seemed like that big like singles accomplishment has just been, you know, out of reach. And which feels like bizarre to think that it took this long because every, like, the most popular member of LIG kind of goes in and out depending on the mood of the company. Like it's Nigel for ages, then it's Sonata, then back to Nigel, then Shingo, he's, he's the new guy, you know, Shingo. And it's Hiromu, but a lot of but Sonata is always there and there, but it's one of the more popular members of not just LIG but the roster in general. And like the fact that they never you know, the timing was never never seemingly right for them to capitalize and give them that opportunity. Like, I would have thought eventually you would have been Intercontinental champion. Now also that belt's not around. I think the US belt is probably the best fit for them. Yeah, it definitely feels like I feel the US belt is a fantastic uh, a fantastic belt to kind of like give someone on their first goal, um, especially in its current status. As you said, you know it's been through a lot in the last like sort of half a year or so. But it's generally it's been held in a very much a prestigious moment. No one's really there's been no shit house through with it, mm-hmm. which is a which is a wonderful thing. So yeah. I am I am interested to see where it goes from there. Um, but yeah, like uh, looking at it, 
when we talk about the New Japan Cup later, I have potential ideas for Sonada's next contender. Yeah, interesting. Uh, you see, there's been no shares. I mean, there was a time where it wasn't being booked at all there because John Moxley wasn't available to it, but I'd rather it not be booked at all than be booked terribly like some other belts that we could talk about. But going into a match that I got, I get bored sometimes when doing the notes saying so-and-so beat this person, so-and-so had this match. So I just be here for this uh, KOPW title match. Yano versus Suzuki. Who let the dogs out? <laughs> because <laughs> you either had what Suzuki was calling a handcuff death match, or the other option was a dog cage match, which was Yano's option to basically win by locking somebody in a dog cage, which ended up winning. And this was a very much, you know, if you could uniquely blend a Yano and Suzuki style of match, this was that blend because. They're equal parts, entertaining moments, but also very scary moments as well. This match was just everything that I love when these two come together. There was comedy. There was absolute horror. It was fucking beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You know, Danhausen is very nice, very evil. Suzuki is just evil, very evil. He's just the opposite end of the spectrum. He's just pure evil. And there was a moment where, like, Yano would just slap him on the head, and then Suzuki kind of just raises his head. Okay, the camera pans really close into him, and you see that look of just disgust and disapproval. Like, that's a new meme that should go around whenever somebody's unamused by something, just unamused Suzuki. That should be the next wrestling related meme. Hi. It's like Suzuki's facial expressions. I, I don't think I actually get talked about enough. Like if, whenever you watch, if you ever watch Suzuki's face closely in a match, especially when he's getting to inflict pain, it's an absolute symphony that of like how many different ways he can express joy in inflicting pain in our human being. It's quite terrifying. <laughs> it, it really is. It's very unsettling. Uh, I weirdly like it started off a very technical, like oh, with you know Yano having that amateur wrestling match and trying to take him to the mat and. Kim McHillie said, saying, like, never thought an actual wrestling match would break out in the middle of a death match. And it's the, the teases when like, they both ended up in the in the cage and Suzuki's just beating down on Yano. And then Yano always has to find some creative way of beating somebody. And just when it seemed like he was down now, he was choked out. He managed to handcuff Suzuki to inside the cage and throw a poor, unsuspecting young line in there with him to lock it up and just. I think it was oh yeah, oh yeah. I think it was that went in there, and uh, as soon as he throws him on top, of Suzuki came and goes, "Why is this young lion shooting on Suzuki?" <laughs> uh, the the poor young lion in, in question was Kozy Fujita. Um, oh, Fujita, sorry. Fujita has never been seen ever since this incident. <laughs> we will send flowers to his family. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Kevin Kelly basically thought about not wanting to let him out, just saying like. You know, the average human being can survive around seven days without food. And then after that point, I'm sure you can eat Fujita and that'll sustain him for another two weeks. And then he has to go to the US. So we'll, we'll all be safe for Suzuki for a while. Oh, God. It was, and I actually love like, the, like, the, the image, like the picture of like Suzuki's face. So I just I wanted to look at, look at it again. The picture on the, on the New Japan website of Suzuki cuffed inside the cage and the look of horror on his face like the proper it looks like something from one of the old carry on films like a you done what <laughs> it's 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 a proper look of shock like you bastard 
<laughs> I know you thought he was angry before, and now you've locked him inside a bloody handcuffed him inside a bloody locked dog cage. You know he's going to be even more angry when he gets out. And I haven't seen the backstage comments, but I'd like to. I hope that the backstage comments from Suzuki were just all done while still locked in that cage with poor Fujita still receiving the brunt of uh, of his anger. Uh, you shot that Yano got the got the KOPW person of trophy back so soon. I mean, obviously, much like the 24-7 title in our truth for a while, this this trophy always feels fine the way you get back to to get back to Yano. But I just I assumed that they would have this evil this reign of terror from Suzuki going a bit longer. Yeah, I, I honestly I thought Suzuki was going to get to hold it a bit longer. Um, you know, don't get me wrong, like, there'll be a lot of fun Yano matches on it. But I have to admit, I would have really quite enjoyed them keeping it on Suzuki a bit longer. I would have loved to have seen like a, a tour of violence and Suzuki even taking the KOPW with him to America. Hmm. I would imagine. I'm sure, like, imagine him taking that that KOBW trophy to like GCW. That's that's the audience for, you know, who will embrace a unique stipulation. So let him take it there and see what happens. That would have been very interesting because they've been teasing you in April. He's going to the US to like he's going to be part of the New Japan Short WrestleCon, and then I think the April taping for the Transformers called like Windy City Riot or something like that. there in Chicago. Uh, so he's going to be a part of those shows and maybe pop up in uh, some of the indies. Maybe I'll see him back in Impact or back in AEW, spreading his unique brand of uh, of violence. But interesting to see who he gets to face at that WrestleCon show because uh, I think it's called New Japan Lone Star. And uh, I don't know if he's seen this, but they've only announced one match for that show at WrestleCon, and it's Ishii versus Chris Dickinson. Uh, no, oh, I saw that. That is... That is going to be fucking beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very violent, but very beautiful. <laughs> very violent, very beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so of course, we had to cap off this tour with Naito taking on Kuzuko Okada. You know, he said five and five. These two were going into this, trying to see who would go into the 50th anniversary as the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. You know, and... How else can I really describe, you know, a Naito Okada match by this point other than just you know, saying go watch it? It was immense. Like it was twenty nine minutes, which apparently is the shortest title defense of this new version of the IWGP World Title so far. But even then, they crammed so much into this that it, you never feel bored. It's they both take an opportunity to control the pace at points. Uh, Okada kicks out of Destino and the Stardust like press. Uh, it was a point where Okada's accountant hits his own version of Destino, which got a big reaction out of me. Uh, and Destino into the bloody landslide, really dropping Brunito on his bastard head. Uh, being a drummy said he hit a DDT to him on the bloody apron. So uh, yeah, even even though he's not against Ibushi, he's still in a match where Naito can show how much disdain he has for his own neck. Yeah, like the, this, uh, some of the spots involving Night was neck in this. Um, please stop it, Night. Please. I like your neck. I like you being alive. I like <laughs> your wrestling. I know you've taken a pay cut and it's a bit frustrating, but don't take it out in your neck. You're not a bushy. <laughs> please, please stop dropping for a night on his head. That's where our friend the brain lives. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this was, I get. Let's face it, if you go back over the last several years and look at any of the singles encounters between Okada and Naito, 
you're, you're going to watch wonderful, wonderful wrestling. There is no other way to put it. They, they just have banger after banger after banger. And in this case, being the shortest one, it was an absolute banger. They didn't milk it out too long. They kept it at a nice crisp rate. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I had to think that Naito, as much as, you know, like they did get me with a one or two of the near falls, I had to think he probably wouldn't win this because, like, even Okada doesn't have a reign that goes this short. Uh, so Okada, like I said, after that landslide, then pulls out the Rainmaker, puts uh, Naito away. But Naito, even while he's lying on the mat, does like the fist bump. <laughs> uh, it's currently now six and five in favour of, favor of Okada. And I know we were kind of hesitant on the idea of the belt being put on him when it came to the whole two night main event from this year's Wrestle Kingdom, but you know, because obviously it's it does feel like very much the safe thing to do to go back to Okada. But you look at the two matches that he had at a Wrestle Kingdom, and then this match with Naito. I mean, we'd never said that he wasn't a great wrestler. It does feel like these are the kinds of matches that this new version of the title needs to have to really get any. Current, you, anyone who's still a bit of a doubter about it, like on board. Uh, you hear that glorious overlord Stephen Wilson? <laughs> Okada's still in, still winning. Get it, Rinji. <laughs> I know. I mean, we can complain about constantly going back to Okada, you know, till we're blue in the face. But when they're having matches that are this good, it's really hard to find fault in it. That's it. You can't really fault it. It was. It was an absolute banger, and you know anyone trying to say that Okada is not a, like a five-star wrestler is talking out their arse. He has had countless great matches. Yes, people can argue that Omega perhaps carried a bit more of their feud back in the day, but Okada's done plenty without him. That's proven why he keeps being the sort of the benchmark in New Japan. Hmm. And like should point out, Okada is thirty-four now. And later in this year, Naito will turn 40, and yet they're still showing no signs of their age. They're showing no signs of slowing down, and hopefully we'll produce some bangers for a good few years to come. Exactly. Absolutely. Love it. So, usually, so now we've gone on to the anniversary show, which will be going on the 1st of March, which is this coming Tuesday, and uh, pretty much the day after this after this show they uh first the day after the the end of the golden series they announced the full car i've got the full car for the anniversary show some interesting matches here i mean there's all it is very tag match heavy as the anniversary tends to be but it's also interesting matchups i think we got Oyua, yo and tiger mass versus show yujiro and evil you got bad luck Fally making his turn salute the general teaming with those <laughs> to get a tag team Take on Minoru Tanaka, who's reuniting with the guys from Suzuki Kun, that being Taichi and Takamichinoku. Uh, got the strong hearts, you know, making a, a return. Got Shima, T Hawk, and L. Lindemann taking on Desperado, Kanemaru, and Doki. Uh, oh, Hanari's back, as is Osprey and Cobb, because they, they're advertised as part of an eight man tag of uh, the Empire taking on Kota Ibushi, who's also finally back, you know, first match since that perfect injury at the G1 Climax final, and he'll be dealing with Tenzan, Kojima, and Nagata. Uh, there'll be a 10-man tag of Sanada, Naito, Tagagi, Hiromu, and Bushi. Take your Toriano, uh, Ishii, Honma, Makabe, and Shiro Koshinaka. 
Oh, but I didn't fuck that up. Uh, and instead of the Jewish duo, like junior heavyweight champion versus the world heavyweight champion singles match, we're doing the uh, we're doing a champion v champion match, but a tag team one where you have Yoshiashi and Goto taking on Wato and Takuchi, which will be uh, very interesting to see. And then the main event will be Zach Sabre Jr., who's I don't think wrestled uh, since since after Nate Three Wrestle Kingdom, team with Suzuki and Fujiwara. Against Tatsumi Fujinami, Hiroshi Tanashi, and Kazuchika Okada. So, pretty much that. Even advertising that main event as a 50th anniversary special night. So, the idea of basically the past and present of New Japan in that main event. Yeah, like that, that, that main event, like, like the two like the two older ones, like Fujiwara and Fujinami, like, I'm pretty sure they've been wrestling for probably close to 50 years. <laughs> it's unreal. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like uh, you know Fujinami. We saw him at we saw him back at the Rambo, and uh, he was there briefly, but he still looked like he could fucking kick your ass. I know that's it. Like, you look at them, like what are they like in their fifties, possibly in their sixties? Still wouldn't fight them. No, 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 thank you. No, no. There's a different class of old men that come through Japan, especially the wrestling. Like you could call them old behind their back, but don't dare say it to their face, or they'll kick fuck out you. You will get your head kicked in. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was mentioned about Taka, by the way. Like I think I can't remember which show it was, but uh, he was in a tag match and he was team with Doki, and uh, he's music played. The Taka is coming, motherfucker. And then just the just the reaction from Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton to that being in his entrance music, like what? What did he say? Are we allowed to say that? Have we been kicked off yet? <laughs> I was so happy that was back. I was like, please let him bring it out again. Please let him bring it. Taka is coming, motherfucker. I was like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm happy to see the, the Strong Hearts making an appearance as well because we had two men in the four-way. I remember their six-man matches in the early days of EW being solid and going up against Desperado, Kanemaru and Doki. Uh, Zukigun would be a, a strong trio to go up against and uh, maybe we'll see the Darke Chauke. Uh, so this is why we need Gino back. I want to hear the Doki Choki and say properly again. It's, it feels like it's been forever since I heard it. Because that tag match that they came out to, to attack his music with, he won with the Doki Choki, and like Gino should have been there to celebrate in that moment. And every time the Doki Choki gets pulled out, like uh, Kevin Kelly does an impression of Gino, but acts like he's there and he's having a conversation with him. And the longer he does it without Gino being there, the more it feels like. Kevin Kelly is just slipping into a nervous breakdown. That's it. It's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> what do you make of the decision to do not champion v champion singles wise, but tag team instead? I find it interesting. Um, I also feel that, like how they have, they're, they're still like they've confirmed they're still doing the champion these champion on a different show, and I feel it's an absolute mm-hmm. kick in the balls to the to to someone who's probably going to lose that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah maybe. but you know, I think the outcome usually does favour the heavyweight anyway. But I think that doing it tag team wise could maybe add um, an extra wrinkle of no unpredictability potentially. Oh yeah, def- I, I think it's going to make it unpredictable, and I love I love the idea of Taguchi hitting his ass right off the face of Yoshihashi and pinning him for three. <laughs> uh, 
you know, it's an interesting story there because, you know, you've got the veteran, two teams with a veteran and the other guy who only recently won a title for the first time. Although Watto took a bit longer than than, uh, than Yoshihashi. But, yeah, then we, we go from there. But also, like, someone kind of lost in all this, like the announcement of everything because also the New Japan Cup announcement came after it. But uh, I don't think enough, near enough of a big deal has been made about the fact that Ibushi is back. I don't, like the like the um, Ibushi coming back was just kind of like, oh yeah, there he is. It's like, <laughs> but fucking that's it. Man dislocated his <laughs> shoulder, shoulder trying to win the the heavyweight belt, and this is the treatment you give him. What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> yeah, I know it's weird, especially going against the Empire, who like really like Osprey hasn't been doing much since they lost uh, against Okada. Like, they didn't even show up for night three of Wrestle Kingdom for against Noah. So, you know, it's, it's weird to say, like, like, it feels like it should be a bigger deal with the Empire back together for the first time in ages against, you know, a return Boucher against the group of legends. Especially the guy, like, and the fact that Okan's been trying to kill all these legends over the last couple of weeks. But, you know, it is what it is, but, you know, Boucher's back and that's something to be celebrated. Uh, but now yes. it's something we've been... <laughs> oh, sorry. I was just say, like, well, you mentioned Osprey there as well. I mean, Osprey, all he's been doing is, like, he's been back in the UK, back in Rev Pro. Sadly, his next Rev Pro defence has been altered because Gabriel Kidd is being, is taking a sabbatical on medical rooms. Mm. I don't know if you saw that when it happened, but he, he had a bit of a mental breakdown on Twitter. Uh, I didn't see, I did see that he was taking a break, and, you know, if it's probably the best thing to do if he, if he really feels like he needs it. Uh, so yeah they, they have put out on the website they are wishing him all the best in recovering um, there has been a report given by Wrestling Observer News but I'm not going to say it on here because I feel it's a bit bad taste what was said mm. but yeah it's been his mental health and Gabriel Kidd has been honest since he came back that he, he, had a, he, he did have a tough time in Japan adjusting so I really hope that he comes back good because I was looking forward to that match between him and Osprey in the UK and I hope that if it's held off, that they get to do it again in a New Japan ring instead. I'd love to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, they, yeah, it's kind of a shame for him because he did say in, on Twitter that basically, yeah, I've been basically going non-stop since, uh, been going non-stop since he was like, quite young, so obviously that has to do a lot for his mentality. He's not really had the time to really stop and just, I think, so maybe he's maybe he's just you know it needs that time. You know we all need that to take a break yeah, sometimes. So interesting to see. Hopefully he comes back soon because I think given also he's still part of New Japan, the really young line system, he there's a big future ahead of him, and hopefully you know he takes his aimies and comes back and does great things. Definitely. Hmm. But you know something that. Usually it would be celebrated, but like just the sheer volume here has caused some head scratching here. The New Japan Cup, the biggest New Japan Cup of all time. No, no, they've not taken it to Saudi Arabia, but they have went to nearly fifty people for it, as they've got forty-eight goddamn people in this tournament. It goes all the way from the I believe the second of March to like the twentieth, twenty-first, something like that of of March. Good God Almighty, what possessed you, Gato? 
I, I think I summed it up when I messaged you about it. 48 fucking men! <laughs> I know, like, I even put it in all caps in the, uh, in the notes, it's 48 people! <laughs> you know, it's that whole thing, you know, less is more, how much more will more be? <laughs> And I think I think what really kind of like I find interesting about it is that despite there being forty eight people, there's only one surprise in it. <laughs> I was like, how I mean, the fuck do you manage to put forty eight people in and only make one of them a surprise? It was like, it was like the junior has been put in there, which I which I really love, and there's been some young lines put in there, but I would have thought there'd be more cross promotional. There's one person who's not really a new Japan guy that's in there that I can think of. But really, I would have thought some Noah guys would have slipped their way in there, and even with being able to bring Osprey over, you still you could probably put some more international guys in there, but you've just chosen not to. And I'm going to read you the put a handful in no first round preview, a uh, for for the first day we read out. Usually, there's like a series of matches, but like every with every match you read, then they say, "Well, so and so fights," then the one of this fights this person who got a buy. And there's like, everybody who got a buy, there's two that I agree with. <laughs> so let me read out for you. They'll go across the first three nights of the tournament. He's like, starting on March 2nd. March 2nd, I'm happy. It's got eight matches on it. All of them will be tournament matches, which I'm happy about. Then from there, for like the 6th and 7th, which are the next two nights, they, they're starting the whole shit with, oh, you need to set some tag matches first. And knowing me, I'll probably get to the point where I end up skipping them. But here we go. Here's the, the rundown of the, the tournament here. 48 people. We have Kazuchika Okada versus El Desperado in the first round, with the winner taking on Master Watto in the next round. Originally, I think Dick Togo was going to face the winner, but he's been moved to elsewhere in the bracket, I think. So Master Watto gets the bye, he faces the winner of that match. Uh, a match that we were meant to get uh, in Naito's second match in the G1, but he got injured, we couldn't get it. We have Naito versus Jujiro Takahashi, with the winner going on to face Gado in the second round, who got a bye for some reason. Uh, Bad Luck Fally also got a bye to the second round and he'll face the winner of Yo versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. Uh, Yano will face Taichi and the winner of that match goes on to face Hiroshi Tenzan. Uh, in a match that's the definition of big men slapping meat, Togi Makabe versus Jeff Cobb with the winner going on to face Satoshi Kojima. Uh, Hiroki Goto versus Yuji Nagata and then the winner of that match gets to go on and face Dick Togo, the honour of that. Uh, Yoshihashi and Honma based on the first round and the winner goes on to face Fujita who maybe this was his reward for being locked in the cage with Suzuki like we'll, we'll treat you, we'll make up to you we'll give you a bye a match I'm really excited for looking at it on paper Takamichinoku versus Shima with the winner facing Yoshinobu Kanamaro in the second round then we move on to Koya Bushi taking on the Great Okan with the winner facing Taiji Ishimori in the second round uh, Bushi versus Will Osprey with the winner going to face El Fantasmo. CSJ versus Oyua with the winner going on to face Doki. Uh, Hanari did make the 48, which is good because if he couldn't make the, a field of 48, what the hell were they doing with him? He, ta- he takes on Nak- Nakashima, the uh, a young line, and the winner goes on to face Sonata. Uh, the main event of the third night of the, which will be the final first round match. Is Shingo Takagi v Tomohiro Ishii always magic when those two get together with the winner going on to face Tangaloa? Sho will take on Hiromu Takahashi with the winner going on to face Minoru Suzuki. Uh, Evil takes on Taguchi with the winner going on to face Tamatonga. And finally, 
Tuesday Owens versus Jado with the winner going on to face Tiger Mask. I need to find some error there after all that reading. Grant, your immediate thoughts there. Right, so this is where I can talk about my Sanada idea. Looking at looking at the way the bracket leads for Sanada, um, I think that he will go against Hanari. Um, he'll beat Hanari because that's just the way I think it'll go down. Osprey will beat Boucher. You're going to get Osprey and El Fantasmo. So you could end up with either Sanada and Osprey. I reckon that's going to be your next US title match right there. I see Osprey going over Sanada and setting up a US title match. I would not be against that. Because also he's already the rare pro champion. So, you know, the whole, yeah, the idea. I'm already the, the champion of Britain. So I'll be the champion of the US as well. Yeah, that's, probably... <laughs> I mean, that's, that's an idea. I, just, I broke up that kind of quarter of the bracket, you know, because they had to make it that fucking massive. And other potential people that could work for our contenders for Snada would be uh, ZSJ, Okan, or Ibushi. But I think Osprey to me seems the most logical one. One of the more interesting first round matches I think is Okan v Ibushi because Okan's had all this time he built up, but Ibushi is you know making his comeback. So you think who goes through there? And I really want it to be Ibushi because I want to see Kota Ibushi versus Taiji Ishimori as a second round match. That's a match I really need to see. And that's why it's so unique and so fun to talk about the uh, the New Japan Cup as opposed to some other tournaments because uh, as much as also there can be unpredictable moments in other tournaments, with the round-robin format, you already know that so and so all these people are going to fight each other at least once, whereas like a lot of the matchups you might want to see, it's not always guaranteed that you'll actually get them. Yeah, that's it. There's it, like some of the like the the first round matches are very very odd to me. Like there are ones that are, don't get me wrong, brilliant on paper, but I'm like, are we really throwing this stuff out in the first round? And kind of. But then I'm also looking at the other potentials. Like we could get Hiroma via Suzuki. Oh, yeah. Uh, like some of the buys as well. Suzuki makes sense. Fujita, after what they've done to him, makes sense. <laughs> Gedo. Gato is doing some serious Cody Rhodes bullshit right now. <laughs> like Sanada, that makes sense. I think uh, Wato, I mean, he's a champion. I think if you're a champion, there's a case to be made that you deserve a buy. Suzuki, uh, like I said, that, that makes sense. Some of the young lines getting, uh, like, other than Fujita, if you're a young line, I don't think you should get a buy. You get a buy. But, you know, the one doubt, like, who gave Dick Togo a buy? I mean, yeah, it means he'll probably be a win and done anyway, but why does he have to get as far as the second round? See, that annoys me. Dick, like, Dick Togo guaranteed to get in the second round. Yeah, El Desperado's probably going to get fucking pumped out of it by Okada, and then Okada's probably going to pump Wato out of it as well. How is that fair? I mean, you could say, why does Doki get by? But that means that we get to see because is probably a lock to win his first match, your first match. So that means we get Zach Zero Jr.'s variety of a of submissions, but we we need to learn. Does actually Virginia have a counter for the Doki Choki? It's called Barry from EastEnders. The <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, God, I mean Tamatonga. I can see why they would give him a, a buy, especially given if if evil goes through with this whole story going on with uh, the uncertainty about Bullet Club and everything, and also given that during the G One, it was clear that. Uh, you don't have time for evil and he says to torture bullshit. 
And I'm I'm kind of hoping that based on the way a lot of it's done, that the lot of the House of Torture are going to get fucking straight out eliminated pretty quickly. Um, I got the fear that Show could beat Hiromu, but then the thought of Suzuki absolutely battering Show about the place for fun is really appealing. Yeah, it's a win-win situation because like you get to see Hiromu who is out his mind, who probably wouldn't back down from Suzuki, or you get to be cheered up by the fact that Show probably beat Hiromu by seeing him get battered by Suzuki. And I'll say try. Try pulling your wrench out against Suzuki. Try get Dick Togo involved when Suzuki's about. Try it, I dare you. Shite bag if you didn't. I think Evil's the most likely to go through in the first uh, out of everybody who's competing in the first round. Togo will probably get his arse handed to him when he, he gets the ring. And I think it, that means he'll probably be Goto, so Goto can get a measure of revenge for you know Dick Togo always sticking his nose in whenever they've went against the House of Torture. And while they have history, I think... You mean, you can't have Naito lose to fucking Yujiro. I mean, it's bad enough Yujiro got that one over Kota Ibushi. It's still not been addressed. I know. It's just like, what, what, what is this bullshit? What is this? But yeah, I mean, like 48 men, and it's just, it's so... Uh, I'm, I'm worried that there's too much here. Yeah, I mean, like, I remember but I didn't, before I looked at the bracket and seen all the buys that people were getting... I mean, I'll try to work out how does that work because like you get 16 and then you need to go up the equivalent of that whatever number of bracket to go up to the next size so you got eight and if you want to go up you need to go up another eight which is 16 and then you go up another 16 that goes to 32 the next logical one to have like an even number is 64 and that's too much so how, how i was wondering like are they going to have triple threat matches in this how are they going to get 48 people the answer is to get people buys and the fact that so many people are getting buys in the first round it's almost as if they didn't think this number really is through. I don't maybe don't have enough people to have maybe sit closer to an even number. And I'm I'm half expecting them to be like at the last minute just to do a WWE and brand it as the greatest New Japan Cup. Well, I think they're already branding it like the biggest New Japan Cup ever. I mean, I know it's the fiftieth anniversary, but come on, fuck here. The only outside New Japan guy you got in here is Shima, who I'm actually really looking forward to see how he how he and Taka match up together. And oh, Taka's Taka getting goes, pumped. <laughs> I, I actually could see Taka going through and then getting battered by another Suzuki gun member in Kanmaru. That that is a possibility. I'm just thinking the fact that Taka got pumped every single match of World Tag League or what and I'm like, it's not exactly had the best record lately. Hmm. Hiroshi Tanashi and Yo, that's a unique first round match. I mean, I know Yo had that streak of luck in the uh, the best of super juniors, but there's no way he's gone through Tanahashi, even if he did, it's not exactly a word that, oh, you're a junior, now you face this near seven foot tall, massive bastard, big bad luck family. Looking at that, I'm like, right, that's easy, Tanahashi, to go through and get Fally, and then it's probably going to end up being like Naito. Naito's going to get Gedo, Naito's going to batter Gedo, and it's going to be Naito against either Fally or Tanahashi. Hmm. I think there's a possibility that at some point, maybe the semi final. Uh, of this side of the bracket could come down to Okada versus Tanahashi. Uh, yeah, you actually could. Because of the way the brackets are, you could end up with Tanahashi and Okada um, leading up to whoever's. I think, like, because he's most likely a quarter final opponent. He's going to get the quarters. I think he's most likely a quarter final opponent, looks like, from the way I'm reading it, could be uh, Goto. So. I, I think at the very least he goes, goes to the quarters because you know, as good as Desperado and Watto is and it's interesting it will be to see them match up with Okada because that's why I like these 
more open weight during the week. It's the juniors get involved, but they are still like, even though they're both champions, they're still juniors, and Okada is like their guy. There's no way these two have a chance against Okada. Yeah, that's it. Like the only I can only see Okada getting stopped by a handful of people in the whole tournament, because um, this is the rainmaker that's back. This isn't crazy balloon guy Okada or sad <laughs> Okada. This is fucking hell. The rainmaker's back. We're all getting battered, <laughs> Okada. <laughs> Chief uh, Owens v Jado with the winner facing Tiger Mask, I think it's one of the oddest decisions I've ever seen. I know, I'm like that 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 just who who came up with that that little bit of the bracket? I, I honestly I think I think at that point they were just I wonder if they like went, right, we've got some definite ideas here. What about the remainder? Got a dartboard. Yeah. Right, put numbers to names and throw darts. We'll go with that. I, I'm actually my fantasy booking is to actually hope to see this that this goes into a, like a quarter final match of like Shingo versus Tiger Mask somehow with this like like somehow those two cross paths with the way it breaks in because he probably beat Ishimori and then go through Tangaloa. Uh, so if Tiger Mask beats like Chase Owens, if he wins that match, then that means we have the Tiger versus the Dragon, which sounds like something from an anime. Uh, and it'd just be the most it'd be the weirdest match on paper, but then coming out of it, it would probably everyone would probably be raving about it as like match of the tournament. That's it. It's good. It's going to come in nowhere and be like eight stars. Ah, <laughs> uh, I might see what happens there. Like we with evil, he goes to like it's going to be a case of like every round I'm wanting him to get better. Like he'll probably go through Taguchi, so I'll be rooting for Tamatonga. And like if Suzuki say goes through, I'll be rooting for Suzuki to batter him. I just written more and more for whoever his opponent is. Yeah, that's that. Like that's there's a there's some interest. Like, this this is like this. What I love, you know, New Japan Cup generally leads to a really good finals, and usually whoever wins the finals never really seems to win the big belt anyway. So, you know what? Let's have fucking fun with it. Give, give it to someone that you don't think is going to win the belt, but could still put on a banger of a match with Okada. Because mm-hmm. you got to think how Okada can obviously win this. So he needs to go out at some point and make it look believable. So obviously the person who puts him out doesn't have to win it, but they can still be the person who challenges him after the winner of this. So that either having that be either Goto or Tanahashi makes it believable and doesn't really hurt Okada in any way. But let's actually break it down. Who do you actually think is the mo- the favourites to win this? Because you know, for me, like even before they announced the bracket or how many people were going to be in it, after wrestling, I was fixated on like please let Shingo win the New Japan Cup. He got so close last year. and a hell of a journey going through. I mean, he might he have a hell of a time with Ishimori, like with Ishii and Tangaloa, but I don't think it'll be as much of a struggle as last year, but just, just let him win this thing. Let him win one tournament because he keeps coming close in tournaments but not quite winning it. Let him win at least one tournament in his New Japan career. I, I honestly, if it, I would love it to be Shingo. I would absolutely be over the moon. I have. I'm going. I'm. I'm going to put my bet on a little bit more left field, but still believable pick, Jeff Cobb. Oh, yeah. I mean, to see Jeff Cobb, you know, he's going against the likes of you know Maccabe and Kojima, uh, and eventually I think could come up against uh, Naito or Tanahashi at some point across this bracket. So I'm going to see how they build him back early after his injury. 
I think uh, like the left, the right hand side of Braga is more potential winners for me because you got a uh you got ZSG, you got Ospreys, and you got Shingo. So like, there's so many potential winners from that side. Like you got a because it's a built-in story there. The idea that like, you win this and says okay, like, you wouldn't have went on to to rescue him to win that belt had I not got hurt. Like I rightfully should have be the holder of that title right now. So there's a built-in story for you there. Just like, and then Shingo is the former champion. Like it just feels like the right-hand side has more potential winners. Yeah, that's that. There's there's so many potential options, but yeah, I mean, I'll I'll say I'm going Colbert as my the mind says Cobb, but the heart won't shingle. And the uh, yeah. spleen would not complain at Ishii. <laughs> uh, and the R says evil, and everywhere else says God, no, not evil. <laughs> Anyone but evil. Anyone but you. As you mentioned, Toriano versus Taiji, I would not be surprised to see Yano somehow like progress further than anybody expects him to because you know those flash follow-ups help. At some point, if you can get Yano versus Okada, I would not complain. Oh, that would be fucking amazing. The absolute banter. <laughs> the absolute Bansaville. Uh, yeah, I think this goes on to like the, uh, the 21st or so of March, so it'll be a busy month, but at least the first few days, you get through a lot of the first round fairly quickly, and there should be some absolute bangers in there. And given the single elimination format, it makes things even more interesting the, the further down the bracket you, you go. But I've dedicated this last week portion of the, the show to something I put in my notes as Bullet Club is fine, question mark. Because uh, Jay White's been making some moves now in the US. He's been appearing in AEW, seemingly being invited by Adam Cole, much against much to the Bucks' chagrin. And then he showed up in... in uh, an impact, you know, he's teamed with Chris Bain, the GOD against, you know, like the VBD and other people like that. He had a hell of a match against Eric Young, really interesting mix of styles there. As you go watch it, the, the match between Eric Young and Jay White from from No Surrender. It's on actually New Japan World right now, as is the tie match that happened with GOD and the Good Brothers. Then a move I was not expecting, I was hoping for the Good Brothers to get absolutely battled because uh, we're talking about how bad who's a torture war, but Chris Charlton say like back in the day, you know, the Good Brothers were the worst part of Bullet Club. I'm thinking they're the worst part of Bullet Club even when they're not in fucking in, even when they're not fucking in Bullet Club because they still can't get over the fact that did you know we were in Bullet Club? Move on, lads. But <laughs> even though I was hoping Good Brothers would get battered, Jay White turns on G.O.D. aligns with the Good Brothers. It looks like the Good Brothers have basically been welcomed back officially into Bullet Club. And Jay White's basically saying he wants to build this perfect version of Bullet Club across AEW, New Japan, Impact Wrestling. So, like, this is a multi-promotional story, multiple country story being told here. And he also said, I'm sick of doing it underneath, but throughout the two suite. So, you got the Good Brothers being in, the, the G.O.D. even kicked out. Potentially Adam Cole being welcomed in the box, maybe you want to say no. But if Adam Cole goes in, if, that, if this means that somehow uh, Red Dragon get inducted into Bullet Club, I would not complain. That that's it. Like, there's so many ways that this story can go because, I mean, I I wonder if like part of this is to keep things going until Omega's well enough again to come back and we could have Omega and the Bucks against Cole and Red Dragon, mm. which would be absolutely beautiful. But I also love the idea of then adding White with Anderson and Gallows to that to kind of have like a three way go at things. 
because it, it just has so much present and the future all intermingling in one big go. But the one thing that's clear is Tamatonga has been going off on Twitter. He mm. says, I'm not done till I've got revenge on fucking everyone. <laughs> and hopefully that begins when he when he goes one on one with uh, with Evil in the second round of the New Japan Cup if Evil does go through, which um, I'm actually seven years that he is going to do. But it's weird. Like, I hope that this perfect version of Bullet Club involves Evil and that being shown the fucking door. Because <laughs> like, I don't. I'm not a big fan of Good Brother. I'm not a fan of House of Torture. And basically, the case of like. Make your decision. Either have the Good Brothers or have House of Torture. I cannot have a faction that has both. That's this, this perfect vision of Bullet Club. It's this is now the time to go and sweep through it all and start getting rid of the the excess baggage. Get rid of the House of Torture by all means. Um, find a way to keep showing it. Get rid of Evil. Get rid of Dick Togo. Uh, get like get Yujiro out of there as well. You know. Yeah, he, He's he's been hanging on for far too fucking long. Like when Yujiro had his like the last two G ones, Yujiro has been someone to get behind. So I, I I can't get behind him while he's in the house of torture though. So I'm like, go on, go on, just just get out, Yujiro, get out and do your own thing. We'll all love just you like, again. Imagine this, like Kenta, somebody who I'm sad is still injured and can't be in this big like a New Japan Cup tournament. By the way, because. We would love to see him in it, but imagine this: a version of Bullet Club that has Jay White, Kenta, Adam Cole, Red Dragon, uh, Ishimori, ELP, and then you got Fally and Chase. You know, you need some undercard guys to take some falls here. But like, I don't know if I'm missing anybody in that mix here. Like, you also got the Good Brothers in there. Like, that's a hell of a fucking. That's a that's a dominant fucking group again. And remember, Chris Bay. Oh, freaking Chris Bay! Forgot about him as well. I mean, could you imagine getting Chris Bay in for the best of Super Juniors? Oh, oh don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> I mean, that that to me, like, they, they've got things that can cover. Like, you could have, the Good Brothers could easily hold down things in America for them and still make the odd appearance in Japan, but they could they could really do something that splits multiple promotions, um, multiple sort of regions and really... Fucking and, and as the world is starting to open up more and more and things like that, imagine them go, like infiltrating the UK scene. Imagine like a little sort of subunit of fucking Bullet Club appearing in Revco or something like that and starting shit there. Mm. I'd be interested to see like at some point I'd like to see a Bullet Club United Empire thing across multiple countries because like the Empire have been doing that with people across the world like the Aussie Open and Osprey to an extent and the UK, but then Osprey goes to the US and Japan. You got Okan, Cobb, Anari in Japan. You got TJP in the US. Like the idea that multiple country, multiple country kind of warfare between you know these two opposing factions because they were saying like I think it was on the the final night of the Golden Series because it was the night after No Surrender. So what's like the book or thing had just happened with Gio being kicked out. Uh, it was in. You had uh, Chris Charlton and Kevin Kelly saying like the idea that you faction like the United Empire. This is this power vacuum moment with Bullet Club kind of being like somewhat fractured. Could this other faction try and like take their spot? That's it. There's so many possibilities, and yet United Empire, because United Empire, I think, need a good kind of showing, um, and like an across brand or cross promotion, uh, cross like cross stable feuds. 
and that's where I think when when things are opening up again and they can get the likes of Aussie open over, you're going to have some beautiful, beautiful stuff to come. Mm-hmm. This is something that will hopefully make the, the US stuff that will carry over me to New Japan will make that worth watching, but also have its, its like spotlight across Impact, AEW and, and Japan as well. And it'll be like, kind of like the Bullet Club is fine storyline from like 2017, 2018. That was everywhere and everybody was talking about it. This could be like the second wave of that. Like everybody talking about this like inter-promotional Bullet Club storyline again. And showing that Bullet Club can still be like a big deal. Like Bullet Club like nine years this year since it's been formed. So also they need to keep things fresh. And show that also they can still do some good stuff with Bullet Club. Exactly. This is a great way to do it. But without the Cody Rhodes overbooking starting to <laughs> overshadow everything. Absolutely. Uh of J, you know, he started this USAJ challenge. I think they were already they were already promoting it on New Japan. I don't know if this episode's aired yet, but uh at the New Beginning USA is uh, it was open his USAJ challenge was answered by Jay Lethal. I haven't seen the match but I assume it was good. I don't know if you've seen it, I think this is technically been spoiled because I aired yet, but uh you've seen the spoilers about who answered his challenge at the rivals taping. I have not heard, but I uh, please tell me. I believe uh, Swerve saying Strickland answered the challenge at Rivals. Oh, yeah, fucking dancer. <laughs> <laughs> it's very interesting to like, see him move across positions because uh, apparently he's all but confirmed to me we'll be going to AEW. But uh, the other members of, of Hit Row are being advertised for an upcoming GCW show. Also, there's a, a show for, I think it's Wrestling Revolver late in April called Swerve's House. Kind of a show he's kind of semi-running, I think. They're advertising for that show that Moose is going to defend the Impact World title of that show against Mike Bailey. Jesus Christ, that's beautiful. What a time for like the indies right now with all these cross-promotional matches and companies letting their titles be defended on their... But I think he was on Terminus the other night. I've not seen the thing in Terminus show, but I think he was on there against... Was it Leo Rush? Maybe, I don't know. But... I think it's only a matter of time before he goes after bloody Jonathan Gresham and all. Uh, uh, so, yeah. Someone you know who I want to answer the USAJ challenge. Uh, he's talked about on recently on Central that he's like, we, but he get big Claudio over in New Japan Strong, have him answer Jay's challenge, have a, have a mix up with Jay, and have him, then let him be the guy to take the, the strong belt off uh, Tom Lawler. Oh, that'd be beautiful. Big, big Claudio. Because, oh. like, he's somebody I, as much as like people will probably see, it, I can't see him going to AW. I think he's maybe a Ring of Honor or New Japan kind of guy. If he could take a trip over to Impact when Josh Alexander sorts his visa issues out and let Josh and Claudio just have all the stars for whatever they put together. That's it. There's, there's so many possibilities. But yeah, I, I love the idea of getting. Um, Claudio into New Japan strong, or even into like, uh, like if, if it was a if it was a possible uh, possibility, give me Claudio in the G one. Oh, I really hope the G one is more open this year because like they were because like you had people like Bunk saying, "Oh, if they want me to go over, I'll do the G one." And Brian Danielson saying he wanted to do it, but the fact they they weren't able to make it happen at the time, and then you got to see at the same time, oh look, we've got Tangelo and Chase Owens. Sadly, <laughs> not a not a very comparable uh, to those guys, but hopefully if that tournament and the Super Juniors are more open as the year goes on, because like Kim Kelly was talking about how 
hopefully feels about things, you know, getting hopefully back to normal this year. I mean, we've said that before the last couple of years, but, you know, not with the, you know, because, like, the more open things can get travel-wise and, like, fans coming in, the better it can be for, like, for us as fans to see these, like, matches between all these companies and the, you know, the Forbidden Door can truly get opened. That's it. There's there's so many possibilities and things are definitely getting to the point. Japan's confirmed they will have sort of an opening of their borders soon, so this is a possibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, when I mentioned something, by the way, that I don't know what's happening after the after uh, bloody New Japan Cup, because usually it'd be like security Genesis or whatever, and I know that Wrestling Dontaku is happening in May, but like the next thing I can see after the New Japan Cup on their schedule is a huge show called Hyper Battle 22, which I believe is happening in Japan, not the US. And I message you like, what the fuck is Hyper Battle 22? It sounds like the new series of bloody Power Rangers. I mean, I really hope it is going to be Power Rangers themed because that would be fucking incredible. <laughs> Then after that, they do have like the, the they've then got the Golden Fight series happening from the 18th of April to the 28th of April. So everything's golden this year, apparently. I know, fucking gold members taking over the booking theme of bloody. I love gold. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love House of Torture. Isn't that it's like, weird? It's like I can just picture Dick Togo. It's like, can we have more House of Torture shenanigans, please? How about now? You crazy Japanese bastard. I was just about to say that. <laughs> ah, like Suzuki when he goes around the ring, like, do you know who I am? Do you know how many young boys I've murdered over the years? And look at you, you've not even got any wrestling gear. Why don't you just lie down? <laughs> uh. When did you ever think you'd hear so many Austin Powers references? on a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast. <laughs> what a time to be alive. What a time to be alive indeed. Uh, we thank you for listening to this episode. If it does feel like a great time to be a fan of New Japan and all these other companies that we've mentioned on this show. It's also a hell of a time to be a fan of Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat because you can follow us right now on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Suplex Retreat. You can also join our Facebook community page where you can get involved in the Listener's League of our Fantasy Draft and answer the GOAT's question every week and have your answer read out on ES as our central and Ross, wherever Ross gets around to it if he's not working or the football's on. Uh, and you can also subscribe to us on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you choose to get your podcast. Tune in episodes like this every so often, whenever big stuff's happening, because there's a lot to delve into. So sometimes you have to go quite far apart between episodes, or sometimes you have to do multiple episodes in a short period of time. You can never really predict it. Uh, you have our weekly feature shows every Tuesday. We have a show that recently just went out about the greatest wrestling villains. And sadly, Gado's booking of being in the House of Torture did not merit him a qualification, apparently, on this list. If one of us were on, was on that show, we'd probably mention him. But we also have these stuff. Centrals, I mentioned Saturday Live Live every Saturday. East meets West, there's no past episodes in the back catalogue. So many previews, reviews, all that other stuff, interviews. Uh, we also got the YouTube content where we've got Quiz Showdown. Our most recent Quiz Showdown went out uh, last week. It was Quiz Showdown 19, The Chase. Was it 19? Uh, 19. And then Quiz Showdown 20 when Duels Do Battle is coming up very soon. Sometime later in March, we're getting ready to record that very soon. It's basically going to be like three teams and 
Daniels described it that he wants it to be very much like the our version of the big fat quiz of the year. And uh, with me and David Dockney as a team, we're basically whenever wh- whichever team every year has either Richard Iwater or David Mitchell on it, which is usually the team that wins it. <laughs> That's the best way to describe it. Whereas Ross and whoever he's teaming with is probably going to be like the Jack Whitehall team, and basically the ones that don't take it seriously. <laughs> So if that appeals to you, please check that out. As long as you also tune in to sometimes where we do our live streams, like the the draft. We also got Book It and the Conspiracy on our YouTube channel. So so much content, not only with us, but so much wrestling content nowadays. We always think it's going to slow down, but no, Japan's ramping it up. And then by the time that finishes, come April time, we'll have bloody all the shows, Mania Weekend and fucking WrestleMania itself, all twenty thousand hours of it. <laughs> Ah. But, you know, again, there's nobody else who I'd rather go through all of this New Japan content with than my fellow ass master and yourself. <laughs> it has been a pleasure. You know, someone's got to hold down the fort while we await the, the coming of the Messiah of New Japan, David Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> one day, one day he'll come. One day. You know, <laughs> one, he's also been receiving some weird letters from us. Uh, much like Gato has but you know that's a story for another time we'll be back to talk to you all about the fallout of the New Japan Cup all the good stuff, all the shite and did we agree with who won it well we'll have to wait and see until then, goodbye there now follows an enthusiastic advertisement for Quiz Showdown Hello guys, welcome to Quiz Showdown. I'm Daniel Campbell and in this show you're going to see the members of the Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet team go through a very strange quiz. We don't know what the heck's going on with it, but you're going to have to watch to find out. Go check out on the YouTube channel now. That was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown.